We know that soon after Josiah's death, Israel went into exile. But we also know that the exile contained great spiritual leaders whose own teachings secured the future of Judaism, both in Babel and then ultimately in the second Judean Commonwealth. All this could be traced to the spiritual renaissance of Josiah. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 146, Josiah, the Last Hope. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. The historian Andrew Roberts, in his magisterial biography of Churchill, describes the great statesman during the most dangerous moment in his nation's history, when France had fallen and Britain stood alone against Nazism. At that moment, describing Churchill's unflagging faith in his people, Roberts cites an allegory akin to those of Aesop that Churchill said to an ambassador, articulating why he was able to keep his spirits up during this dark hour. Here is the version that Roberts gives us, quote, There lived two frogs, an optimist and a pessimist. One evening, they were jumping over some grass and detected the wonderful smell of fresh milk emanating from a nearby dairy. The frogs were tempted and jumped into the dairy through an open window. They miscalculated and flopped into a large jar of milk. What to do? The pessimist looked around and seeing that the walls of the jar were high and sheer and that it was not possible to climb up, fell into despair. He turned on his back, folded his legs, and sank to the bottom. The optimist did not want to perish so disgracefully. He also saw the high and sheer walls, but decided to flounder while he could. All night long he swam, beat the milk energetically with his legs, and he displayed various forms of activity. By the time morning came, the optimistic frog had, quite unawares, churned a big knob of butter out of the milk and thereby saved his life. The same will happen to the British Empire. End quote. As Roberts reports, Churchill, in describing this churning, was speaking of the efforts of Britain merely to survive until the time, as Churchill foresaw, that Germany would attack Russia and Russia would become Britain's ally. And this, of course, happened. And soon after, America would join the fight as well. But in the history of ancient Israel, we find a different, incredibly remarkable story of an optimist, or at least of a leader who refused to give up hope, a leader who thought he could save Jerusalem, a leader who seems to have failed, but who in truth, because of his resoluteness and dedication, ended up in a way that he might not have predicted, saving Judaism itself. Chapters 8 through 12 of Jeremiah are largely descriptions of the idolatrous actions of Israel, but in the midst of them, suddenly, the prophet begins to speak about a brit, a covenant, that the people are called to keep. Chapter 8, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant that speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, from the iron crucible, saying, Obey my voice and do them according to all which I commanded you. So shall ye be my people, and I will be your God, that I may perform the oath which I have sworn unto your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. Why is Jeremiah, the prophet who to a great extent spends his time warning of the destruction yet to come, suddenly speaking of the covenant and urging Israel to obey it? It seems, as some commentaries and scholars note, that Jeremiah here is speaking at the onset of his prophetic career during the reign of the king who provided the last ray of hope before the temple's destruction, King Josiah or Yoshiahu. As we saw in our study of the book of Kings, Menashe, son of Hezekiah, plunged all Israel into idolatry, bringing pagan worship into the temple itself. Because of Menashe's sins over many decades, 
the Almighty decrees that Jerusalem and the Temple will be destroyed. Menashe's grandson Josiah begins his reign during one of Israel's lowest spiritual points, and yet he finds his way fully back to the faith and legacy of his ancestor David. As Josiah seeks to repair the Temple, a Torah scroll is found by the high priest who brings it to the king. According to the rabbis, Josiah reads therein the declaration that if Israel betrays its covenant, then the tochacha, or curses, of the Bible would fall upon the land and the people would be exiled. The book of Kings further describes how the word of God from the Torah struck at the king's very soul, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the scroll of the Torah that he rent his clothes. Seeking to know if destruction is what awaits his own kingdom and Jerusalem, Josiah seeks out a female seer who lives near the Temple Mount by the name of Chulda. Chulda informs Josiah that though he, the king, will not live to see it, Jerusalem is destined for destruction. According to the book of Kings, Chulda gives Josiah the worst news possible. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the scroll which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burnt incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. This is the prophecy that Josiah receives. At this point, most kings would have given up. Even the great Hezekiah, who was told by Isaiah that one day Babel would destroy the city, consoles himself with the knowledge that it would not happen in his lifetime. But Josiah, the ultimate man of hope, sparks a spiritual renaissance, stamping out idolatry in Israel, calling the people to Jerusalem, bringing about a covenantal renewal. And that is why, scholars explain, Jeremiah is encouraging Israel in our text, telling the people to keep the covenant. Though Huldah had informed Josiah of the imminence of exile, God makes clear through the prophets that repentance can, in the end, stave off destruction. But the Almighty also warns Jeremiah that even during the original exodus, Israel illustrated how spiritually fallible it was. Thus Jeremiah 7, 6. Then the Lord said unto me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant and do them. For I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, even unto this day, rising early and protesting, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do, but they did them not. And in the end, Josiah Yoshiahu does not succeed in saving Jerusalem and he himself falls in battle against Egypt. The Midrashic literature describes deep deceit that existed among Israel in the face of Josiah's reforms. Josiah's subjects, the rabbis report, would hide their idols in the very door frames of their homes so that when servants of Josiah would enter looking for idolatry, they would miss the paganism that was essentially right in front of their faces. As Rabbi Alex Israel puts it, the rabbis here are, quote, suggesting a deep disconnect between the king and the nation. From Yoshiao's vantage point, the country had become overwhelmingly committed to God and his Torah, but the Midrash argues that this religious revolution had failed to penetrate society. Indeed, Rabbi Israel continues, the monotheistic commitment, while adopted by public institutions, had not seeped deeper into the minds and hearts, into the living rooms of the average citizen of Yehuda. This is hardly surprising. Yoshiao's religious revolution is dated to his 18th year and he is killed in his 31st year. We have only 13 years of positive influence. It is hard to imagine 
that 13 years can uproot norms that have been entrenched for 70 years. Thus, while Yoshiao imagined that his kingdom was thoroughly devoted to God and made certain strategic decisions on that basis, he was quite out of touch with the facts on the ground. The nation was still dabbling in idolatry, end quote. If this is the case, ladies and gentlemen, then the very verses that follow in our passage in Jeremiah may well speak of the fact that despite the king's great penitential movement, he had failed to uproot idolatry from his people. Verse 9, And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers, which refused to hear my words, and they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. To this day, many Jews on the ninth of Av describe Jeremiah mourning for Josiah, for the king who did not lose hope, because it is with this king the last best hope for staving off destruction disappeared. But this, ladies and gentlemen, raises the question. Jewish tradition loves Josiah, celebrates Josiah. Why? Did he not fail in all that he sought to achieve? Should he not be seen as a tragic figure who did not accomplish his aims? Was not the temple destroyed despite his efforts? The answer, I think, can be found in the fact that Josiah's spiritual efforts had one lasting impact. He ensured, through his renewal, that the study of Torah would endure. We know that soon after Josiah's death, Israel went into exile. But we also know that the exile contained great spiritual leaders whose own teachings secured the future of Judaism, both in Babel and then ultimately in the second Judean commonwealth. All this could be traced to the spiritual renaissance of Josiah. Andrew Roberts quoted Churchill as one saying the following, Words are the only things that last forever. The most tremendous monuments or prodigies of engineering crumble under the hand of time. The pyramids molder, the bridges rust, the canals fill up, grass covers the railway track, but words spoken two or three thousand years ago remain with us now, not as mere relics of the past, but with all their pristine, vital force. End quote. The temple in Jerusalem was so much more important, so much more sacred than the pyramids, but Josiah was unsuccessful in his attempt to preserve it. But that does not mean that his actions had no enduring impact. It was the words of the sacred Torah found in the temple that entered Josiah's mind and heart. It was the words of the Torah that inspired Josiah to attempt to stave off the destruction of Jerusalem. And it was in Josiah's age that the words of the Torah were therefore reinscribed on the minds and hearts of Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. These were the words that these leaders bore to Babel. These were the words that Ezra would ultimately bring back from Babel. These were the words of the Torah that, as we shall see, allowed Ezra to re-covenant with the people in Jerusalem. Josiah is a king that is impossible not to love because he has hope when all seems hopeless. And the greatest of leaders are the ones who sustain their people in apparently hopeless times. The Roberts biography contains a quote about Churchill from Hastings Ismay, one of his main military aides. Ismay said about Churchill, When things are going well, he is good. When things are going badly, he is superb. But when things are going half well, he is hell on earth. In the book of Kings, we have seen kings such as Solomon or Hezekiah, who reigned, at least for part of their lives, over glorious spiritual moments when all was good. And we have met 
many kings in Judah who oversaw middling moments. But at the beginning of Jeremiah's prophetic career, following the ravages of Menashe, at a time that was one of the lowest spiritual moments for the people of Israel, Josiah, one of the most hopeful kings in history, arose, and his hope saved Judaism so that it could return to Jerusalem again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.